Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens and My Time Capsule is the podcast where I ask my guests to tell me the five things from their life that they would like to put in a time capsule. Four things they cherish and wish to preserve and one that they would rather forget and bury in the ground. My guest in this episode is the actor and writer Steve Edge who you will have seen recently in the film Paddington and the TV series Benidorm, Happy Valley, Plebs and Scarborough, where he acted alongside Jason Manford, with whom he co-hosts The Jason Manford Show on Absolute Radio. Steve began his career as a stand-up comedian, and a lot of his early work was with his friend from the University of Salford, where they were students together, Peter Kay. Steve was in That Peter Kay Thing, Phoenix Nights and Max and Paddy's Road to Nowhere. I first met Steve working on the television series Mike Bassett, Manager, with Ricky Tomlinson. But we also worked together on the series Starlings, which he co-wrote, and Benidorm, which was a difficult job, involving endless long evenings of, well, drinking in the sun and karaoke. Huh, life can be tough. Anyway, I spoke to Steve at my home in my rather echoey dining room just before lockdown, which seems an age ago. But I do remember we had fun. I hope you have fun listening to our chat. Happy days. Lovely, Steve Edge. Welcome to my time capsule. Nice to be here. <laughs> it's good to have you. I've got an enormous time capsule ready for you. Oh, it's, it's a bit big, that one. Is it? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see what we can get in there. <laughs> I don't mind if it rattles around inside. It, it might. It may do. That's all right. It may do. So do you want to launch straight in? Let me know what you Okay. Well, it, obviously, so it's four great 
times I've had in my life. That's it. Uh, that I'd like to keep and remember forever. Yeah, or things... I like or... to think that my memory's going to get wiped, and these four things are the only things I'll remember. I like to think that you can... When you get old and grey, and, you know, your memory starts to go, yeah. you can use this as a reminder of those okay. moments. Yeah. If you like the bad thing, we can put that in its own little chamber at the bottom. Okay. So you only find that once you've gone through... Yeah, like the biscuits. If if occasionally you want something, you know, yeah, a cathartic moment where you where you have to go. Oh, no, actually, I really need some pain in my life. Yeah, or you, if you when it's found in the future, they look through and they go, oh, it was actually a decent sort of. Blo- Hang on, there's a loose bit at the bottom here. What's what's this? Oh no, there's something terrible lurking <laughs> in the bottom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Your grandchildren. Yeah, they'll find that. Suddenly go, yeah. oh no. Such a I lovely... why there was nothing on him. No one spoke about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of this, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'm going to go with... Um, it's a strange one. When I was about sort of 14, mm-hmm. I used to get the bus from Cannock, where I grew up, to Wolverhampton Library, which is quite a big library good, compared to Cannock Library. And I used to go through the, um, the microfilms of... The Express and Star, it's the local newspaper. Right. From about 1970 onwards, to get the exact date a certain episode of Porridge or Rising Damp or Steptoe so was, was on, so I could mark up my tapes. I had this collection of VHS tapes. I think I had 700 or something in my bedroom on these five shelves. It was comedy nuts. Which, so you were uh, studying comedy? Yeah, I, I had an archive. I had my own archive. Which and, would be useful, you know, the yeah. BBC ever... Uh, well, again, mistake of throw all the stuff away again, which they did, which they have done. But yeah, yes. quite a few of them, the steptoes are black and white because they threw them away. But um, but it also, while I was in there, I'd sort of I'd go past the news stories as well. I'd find things like when Bobby Kennedy got shot. I remember yeah. the headline on the Express and Star. It was the ten final. Said been shot, gonna be all right. <laughs> and then the next day, dead. <laughs> so that was that. And then uh, Ali and Zay and here with their form, and that was like. He's got no chance against Foreman. They no. look next day. But I'd just spend the day... I mean, you could do this in seconds now on the internet. You could just go, yes. when was this episode? When was Just Desserts, which is the second series of Porridge? I think it's the 24th of October, about 1945. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was kind of sort of, you know... I mean, I'd go to a point where I'd write the day. I remember writing Thursday, 23rd of August. I mean, he didn't really need this. And I'd copy them, because they'd play them in the wrong order on BBC too. So I'd copy them into the right order thereby losing the quality. <laughs> so it, it, there was more... But you were more, more interested in keeping the archive. The order in which they were broadcast. Yeah, uh, but it's just... And I, I still do this today. There's certain, I don't like being on my own. I don't like... I like about eight hours on my own. I need a bit of space. After about eight hours, I'm like, I need, I need to talk some... I need to get out of some board now. <laughs> That's why you've turned up here. Yeah, I need to get out Yes. <laughs> I still like doing a jigsaw. I like a jigsaw and I put a record on and you're not really in either zone. You're not really focusing on the jigsaw. You're not really still record. You're just sort of that piece and I think that's what this was I was about 14 and I'd read as well I'd read, I remember reading there's a brilliant book by John LeMessurier called A Jobbing Actor mm-hmm. and I read this when I was about 14 I thought I imagined this yeah. until about, <clears throat> about a year ago I bought this book again to see if this section was in there because I'd said this story to people I thought I must have made this up I haven't made it up this is what he says yeah. <laughs> he says when he was about 15 um, his parents said what do you want to do with your life and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing it. <laughs> and he said, he needs to join the army or the navy. Or, I think it was the navy. They got him a trade ticket, so he had to go to Aldershot and meet this big general and see if he was fit to go in there. He said, so I got the bus 
I got into central London. I went to Hyde Park. I had a quick wank. I got on the train and I was like, hang on, what? <laughs> it's there in the book. And I'm like, did he say that? He t- so he, that's his story. And then he goes to Aldershot. He t- talks the journey through. And he said, I got to Aldershot and there was a big flight of stairs. And I walked up this big flight of stairs and at the top there was a big table with a commissioner stood there. And they said, um, how many steps have you just walked up? He said it was obviously some sort of test to mm. see how I was paying attention. He said, maybe I didn't want to be there, so I wasn't paying attention, or maybe I was still lethargic from the wank I had in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I remember reading that when I was 14, going, this is mad. But that is actually in the book. And I thought I'd imagine that over years. But that's stuff like that. And I remember just, you know, when you're a teenager and you think you don't fit in anywhere. Yeah. Growing up in the West Midlands as well, my brother sort of steered me in the right way. My brother used to sort of read sort of the spoke Varathrustra and stuff like that <laughs> yeah, and Nietzsche yeah. and, and I'd be, I remember like when I was like 15 being on the bus reading Brave New World by Oxley and you mm. know Albert Camus the outsider and the plague and stuff and I, I mean I, I, don't, I didn't get any of it no idea what <laughs> no I, but I can still say now I've read all these books yes. but no idea what it was about at the time I just I remember little bits of it yeah. so it's just all that sort of period in time but it was the putting things in order that I really liked and just seeing the old news and, and just being able to put things in the right place. I, I loved all that. And it, like I said, the archive of comedy, that was... So that sounds very... Were you academic at school? I wasn't not academic and wasn't super academic, but no. I think I was I was mad into comedy and the comedy that I liked. And it's also when I used to go... That's where I discovered sort of Hancock's Half Hour. I used to get the records and mm-hmm. stuff. And loved all that. And nobody... I mean, I liked, at the time, I would have liked the young ones, same as everybody else my age did. I was about 10 when the young ones came out and, and all that. But but it was always, I liked the writing of Gordon and Simpson and uh, Clement Lafrenet. And that was, Who wouldn't? It still stands, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. it's an odd thing, barometer to judge thing against, I think, nowadays. Cause well, it, it, it's so good. much comedy, if you look at it from different periods, was only for that period. And yeah. It's absolutely gone and it doesn't work. It's not how I remem- remembered it, no. no. It's but that's because it was specific to that time. Yeah. But some comedy, and I think Gordon and Simpson absolutely fall into that category, Yeah, that they wrote just great comedy. It's, a, it's about people, it's conversation. And it's not funny voices, and it's not that thing, apart from Kenneth Williams. <laughs> it's not, it isn't, is it? it? It's situation. Absolutely. It's also around the time, there was a, because Ancock was born in Birmingham, he was born in Ancock's Green in Birmingham, and there's a thing in Birmingham called, I think it's still going, the Tony Hancock Appreciation Society. And they used to meet every year at the Midland Arts Centre at the Mac, and I used to go when I was about 15, 16. And they'd play a, an episode, because again, there was only, there was one video, I think they had five episodes on, sort of Bowman's Blood Donor, Radio mm. Hammer, the, the, the ones from the last series, basically, when St James isn't in them. But they, there was an episode, again, you can get them all there. Yeah. And they're probably all on YouTube, but you can get them all on DVD, but there's an episode called There's an Airfield at the Bottom of My Garden, where he's trying to sell his house, and a plane flies over, and the set collapses, 22 minutes in but the set collapsed five minutes in and it's live so they have to try and keep going yeah but I just I'd read about this in books but they used to play them at these shows really bad quality and stuff I was mad into all that and I remember I remember talking to an actor about this once and he said do you still remember all that and I was like no because I sort of work in this industry now so I've sort of forgotten all that sort of stuff really when who directed Porridge I went Sydney lot of it <laughs> and sort of it's still in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's, in those days, it was Scott and Simpson. So you'd watch it thinking, did you think this is what I'd want to do? Or did you just I, say, this is so brilliant, I just admire it for the thing itself? I, yeah, I, I loved that and I loved stand-up as well. And I, and I always wanted to stand-up. And the, the course I eventually went to do had a stand-up option. But it, it was kind of, we had a video camera in our house and we used to make sort of horror films and little comedies and stuff. But 
no one in my, I mean, my dad worked in a uh, nuts and bolts steelwork factory in Rubriode in Bilston. Mm. And uh, I think growing up in the Midlands, I, re- I still remember now, there's, it's still not really changed that much, but Lenny Henry, mm-hmm. Josie Lawrence, and Andrew O'Connor, I think, were the only people on television that had a similar accent to me. Mm. Uh, Julie Walters as well. But the, Lenny sort of... And she didn't do it very often. No, she? and Lenny sort of was mainly taking the mick out of Dudley and, and yeah, all that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. So it's not really... It's not an accent you ever see. So that also brings you back. I mean, even now, I think, that the stuff that I've done over the last, what, 20 years or whatever, I've mainly done another accent. Yeah. Other than the show that I wrote, where I went, I'm doing my own accent. Yes, okay. I do a Northern accent in things, because... No one wants to hear my accent. <laughs> no one wants to, you know, like from the West Midlands on television. Still not happening. I've had to do West Midlands. Trekking? I really enjoyed studying it. <laughs> yeah. I really did. It wasn't what I thought it was as well. Well, there's somebody said, oh, you know, he's, uh, he's from the Midlands. And I said, well, where in the Midlands? Yeah, because it's, yeah. You know, Leicester. Yeah, and very different. Midlands, very different. Or, or Wolverhampton. And then, yeah. then you're really... You've got black country then as well. Black country. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I really enjoyed studying it. I'm not going to do it for you. No, okay. Because it'll be shit. Yeah. But it is one of those accents that, if done wrong, it is quite annoying. It's annoying done right. <laughs> no, I, don't, <laughs> done I, I don't find it annoying. I, I like the middle it's a, Yeah, it's a gentle... It's a gentle accent. Too. Yeah, I think it's very good for comedy. I don't understand why think, people yeah. would always go either northern or Well, it's that London. argument. When people do that argument about is there a difference between northern comedy and southern comedy, I always go, well, I think, my, you know, maybe all the pythons are from what we'd call the north, aren't yeah. they? Palin, Sheffield, Grimsgrove, mm. Leicester, Terry Jones was North Wales. Yeah. Just Cleese, he's Western Zoot Mayor, isn't he, I think? The rest of them are all, all up there. Yeah. For my generation, my age, that's what we did at 14. Is yeah. we, we all learnt the Monty Python right. albums. So I, I could do the entire, you know, no one expected Spanish Inquisition yeah. sketch quickly and fluently. Yeah, you know, it worked faster than a ring idol. I think yeah. we did uh, we did young ones quite a lot at school. Yeah. We do that quite a lot. My mum had a Pippa D parties. Do you remember this? Pippa D. It's basically when your house gets turned into like a dress shop. So oh, right. some, I know the sort of thing. Yeah, they bring a load of dresses in, and your mum sells dresses, and she gets commissioned. <laughs> she gets commissioned. And I remember me and my brother just watching the Bambi, the one episode of the young ones when they go on University Challenge. Yeah. When Ed Emerson gets his head cut off on the train. and, and The Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie. Yeah. Emma Thompson. Thompson, yeah. And Ben Elton. And Ben Elton. And he boots his own head up the track and says, you took your time, you bastard. And I remember watching that and shocked uh, women buying dresses. <laughs> going, this is just wrong. But that makes it your thing, doesn't it? That's yeah. the thing. I think that makes it your comedy because it's pushing against another generation. Speaking about the things that you find weird. Yeah. Being 14 is a very difficult thing, especially for Boys, I don't know. I mean, maybe I think girls are discovering that actually at 14, you can see that they're sort of going, oh, I think I might be turning into a woman. Yeah. And they see other women who are older and they sort of mimic them. But as a 14-year-old boy, you had no chance of mimicking Sean Connery. No. And anybody who was 19 was so cool and driving around in a car and uh, looked yeah. so manly. You knew you had no chance of mimicking. Yeah, you were, you were, but also I think girls tend to operate in packs and talk to each other more. Yeah. Whereas blokes just, boys just wander off. Well, that stays with people who they are, isn't it? Just, just yeah. yeah. I have a, a, a drinking group. You know, we just sit on our own and get drunk and don't talk to anyone. That's <laughs> <laughs> but we do largely. Yeah. We do, you know, my wife says, what did you talk about? And I say, uh, oh, somebody had a really interesting trivia fact. That was 
basically it. That was it. Somebody yeah. told a joke. We never talk about anything. I've had people go through cancer treatment in this group. No one mentioned it. And no, we didn't know. <laughs> Nobody mentioned it. No one mentioned it. So that thing of being 14, I think, stays with you yeah, for the rest does, of your yeah. life. You yeah. are 14, uh, which is why, maybe why that we make so many mistakes, because we, we just never stop being An old 14. actor said that to me once. He's a really old actor, and he said, in your head, you're always 14. Yeah. He said, to, you're very old, you get, you're just still 14. I think that's applies <coughs> to women as well. But yes. You stay young in your head. Some people do, don't they? Some people do, but... Most boys in Canada were probably, you know, drinking red stripe behind a skip. Mm. <laughs> you were going you were in the lives going through a microfilm. Microfilm. Getting the microfiche, yeah, getting it. Tapping, you could photocopy it. I never, I never photocopied it. I used to write it all day. And oh, yeah. Take it back. But like I said, you could literally go on these Well, photocopies were two pence a copy, you know. Yeah, so it was a lot of money. It's going to add up. It is going to add up, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because Rising Damp was on a good sort of couple of years before. I spoke to Darren about that. He said that when Benny Dorn won his first award, that <laughs> that he, he got one of the best laughs he'd ever got on stage by saying... Oh, that's a great joke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 He, said, he said, you know, uh, uh, big thanks to ITV for, for doing the series. He said, and, you know, we're ITV on a real roll with comedy. He said, you know, Rising Damp and now us. Yeah. <laughs> with this and Rising Damp, we're yeah. quite a roll. <laughs> yeah, I know that just... Sadly, some more ITV comedy, doesn't it? That's about it, yeah. So I think we should put that in the time capsule. Okay. I won't seal it yet. No, don't seal it yet. No, no, no. Just let it... Let leave it. the microfiches. <laughs> don't, but don't let the air get them too much. Yeah, yeah. Right. So there we go. Oh, I fit it easily. Oh, it's loads of room in there. <laughs> loads of room. So what's the second thing? Are so, you going to do... This is chronological, are you going to go... Well, just because it tells... I think it shows me growing as a person. Yeah, or or not. <laughs> I don't know. But... Um, so a few years, about, well, a couple of years after that, when I used to be in a band with my brother and my best mate from university, we were sort of quite an angry sort of. Uh, I don't know what we were, I don't know what sort of music we played. Uh, it's hard to get a drummer. But it wasn't, it's not about, <laughs> the drummers don't want to be in, they want to be in metal bands where they show up. Yeah. They don't want to be in a normal band. No. They want to do a solo and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we mainly had a sort of drum machine and we did our thing. We had a song that was like 15 minutes of feedback. <laughs> my brother sang over it was really sort of experimental <laughs> but um, we really enjoyed ourselves <laughs> but um, we used to go so this is what I'm putting in um, I think it's 1989 or 1990 mm-hmm. we used to go we went to Paris as a band wow on a little tour and I think because Paris has got that thing it's when you we're talking about being a teenager again, no one understands you I'm different. I'm more poetic than these people in Canada. <laughs> Let's all go up Paris. They'll understand us there. They'll, they'll get poets. They love feedback. Oh, they're <laughs> and they're welcoming. <laughs> Parisians are probably the nicest people in France, I'd say. Without the doubt. Really gentle and welcoming. They love you having a go at their language. The rest of France is difficult. Oh, yeah. But, difficult. But the, the Parisians the really, make, really make an effort, I think. They <laughs> always make an effort. So we used to, it's, it's 99, we went over. I remember we went to, there was a, a travel agency in Warsaw called Alpha Travel. It's probably still going, I don't know. It was an old sort of Indian man. I say old Indian man, we were 16. He was probably 42. Yeah. But we went in, the three of us, and we went, we want to go to Paris for about a week. He said, how much money have you got? We went, 35 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and he made it happen. I don't yeah. know how. Oh, we had 35 pounds each, but still, we went for a week. We were in, the nearest, the nearest tram stop was, I think it's called Parmentier. And we just, we went there, we took a Ilford black and white 35 millimetre film, so all the photos we took of Selbronoff, oh. just teenagers. And we just, 
I had like a roll neck sweater on. Like the Beatles in Hamburg. Yeah, but we all wore, we thought we were the Velvet Underground, I think. We all, um, we had these jackets. They were like leather jackets, but they weren't like biker leather jackets. They were like smart suit jackets. They smelt of like disappointment and betting shops. (laughs) (laughs) Old old men. There's there's a big place in Birmingham called the Rag Market. I think it's underneath what the new ball ring is now. And they have these jackets, suede jackets, corduroy jackets. They were sort of, we all had these on uh, Chelsea boots. We had our uniform. Yeah. And we'd go to Paris and we'd hang around sort of Père Lachaise Cemetery and drink cheap wine by sort of Jim Morrison's Jim Morrison's grave. It's got Oscar Wilde's there. I yeah. think Chopin's there. And there's another one just down the road that's got Serge Gainsbourg in. We went there, hung around there. And so paranoid. <laughs> I remember somebody saying to us once, but when we were in this, there was a club in, in Warsaw called Punch and Judy's. It was a pub and there was like this indie disco in the cellar. And I remember a girl going to someone's going, you three are dead pretentious. <laughs> uh, I didn't, we didn't know what it meant. We're like, no, we're not. We go to Paris next week, actually, in our Chelsea boots to drink wine near Jim Morrison's grave. Yeah. So does that make us pretentious? <laughs> I don't think don't so. Don't think so, do you? <laughs> so, but we used to do that. My, one of my abiding memories is it was all raining. And my mate uh, asked me to cut his hair and I, I spent about an hour doing this fringe perfect line and then his hair dried and it went up about an inch <laughs> it like Bruce Lee <laughs> I've got, still got black and white photos of it really arty just I think while we were there there was a, a retrospective of um, Andy Warhol stuff at the Pompidou Centre we went to that saw all this original silk screen we did sort of drop quite lucky there yeah. we, we ate nothing we had no money for food I think we had some bread and some marmite yeah. hidden in the top of the wardrobe my brother had chipped in for it so he wasn't having any <laughs> one day a loaf of bread went missing it all kicked off oh, oh we were so I, well, I tell you what it was it was 1990 we were so entrenched in being this band and hanging around pair of shades mm. that we were in the room one night just sort of drinking our cheap wine being cool and there's loads of shouting next door and it was the World Cup was on so obviously that was Italian oh. 90 but we weren't weren't aware of this because we were we were in a band now yeah, we were doing our thing. But I just remember that being, I think, I don't know if kids do it anymore. Being in a band when you're that age is brilliant. Yeah, it wasn't for me. What were you? I, but when I was so sort of stayed and singing in the church choir that, oh. that when suddenly asked to join a rock and roll band, you couldn't cut loose. You were just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I was too tight. Yeah. No good at all. No, I just... But, I mean, I, I, I wish I had been in that sort of situation. Yeah, this was the, the canic scene, <laughs> as I call it. Uh, that all the bands were, were all very similar. There was a band called A Cryptic Flower. We were oh. called Capsules, our band was called. Not Capsules, Capsules just Capsules. Capsules, uh, there you are. You're putting yeah, the Capsules, capsules in, in the, the capsule. capsule. But we, all our posters were like, we had one with a picture of Mary Faithful, I was really young. We had one ambulance disaster, the Andy Warhol, we had that. Mm. We had one of Charles Manson. I mean... I'm going to ask you, when you went to Paris in 1990, (laughs) yes, the band, did you perform? No, no. No. God, no. No, no, we didn't. Not even on the street? No, no. We were just... It was the photo up. We didn't didn't do a gig. We might have written a song while we were there. I mean, we were... I was 16. We would have got really drunk on some cheap French wine, as it used to be. Interestingly, I went to Paris just before Christmas with my wife. And uh, it was really, they were on strike. Remember the Eurostars after on Castle? The Metro wasn't running, so it was a walk everywhere. Wind howling, newspaper blowing around the state. And I saw a man in his 40s, crouched under a tree, being sick in his own hands, <laughs> crying. And my wife went, is, is Paris the most romantic city in the world? <laughs> I don't think it is anymore. 
And I sort of, it, I loved it when I was 16, but I don't read, I don't parents. No, I went to parents recently, the same thing. Did you have a reference, did you just open your eyes and go, this isn't as good as I thought no, it was? I didn't, no, I didn't think it was as good, no. It's not, is it? No. It was like a post-apocalyptic Paris when we went there. Yeah. Uh, do you know what I say? Recycling. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's putting, recycling things out and the wind comes up and it all gets blown <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. And so, so, so you're blaming David Attenborough. I very much so. We're putting plastic all over yeah. the place by putting it outside the front must, door. I know. I mean, it's awful seeing a whale with a with a sort of funny kind of tie. No, just blow away. Away. no yeah. but there must be one fish hidden in one when a shark's running. Going, I'm in here. Can't get me. It's helping some. Surely it's helping some fish. <laughs> Obviously, that fish at one point will grow too big and he won't be able to get out. So it'll backfire, but. It must be the old fish who's benefiting from this. I'm happy for you to look into this and find okay. out if you want me to I keep this done in. Any research. You can keep <laughs> this in, or we can edit this out. <laughs> it's up to you. When the lawyers get in right, touch, let me Google it and then I'll send <laughs> you a text. Let me find out what other people think. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> no one seems to be mentioning. I was talking about it. <laughs> Why don't they? Why it seems to me that's important. It. I think. Yeah, I think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh dear. Brilliant. So you in Paris at a 16-year-old. 16-year-old in Paris. 1990. Yeah. With my band. Uh, my films. They're all going in there whether they want to or not. Yeah. You know? I mean, the, I mean, it shows that I've grown. Yeah. I'm now no longer just on my own. No, you're with other people. Cataloging. Doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, with my brother. It doesn't, okay. really, it doesn't really count. No. No. With my brother. I mean, mate. So this, yeah. I've got one other guy involved. <laughs> There's going to be a party later. Uh, yeah, there is. Ah! <laughs> There's a party. That's good. All right. Well, that's going in then. That's it. I'm just nestling up against the microfiche. Moving on in time, as we seem to be. Yes. What's the third thing you'd like so to put? You I'm... can, at any point, you could put in... You don't have to do bad last. You can oh, no, I might do bad last, because it's... That's uh, up to you. It predates all these. Uh, just... Uh, I'll save that one. Okay. Okay, we're going to take a short break here for some adverts. We'll be back shortly. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. Okay, let's find out what else Steve Edge would like to preserve in his time capsule. I think the next one I'm going to go for, I'm about, how old am I now? About 23. It's the first time I did any um, TV acting. Right. So I'd gone to sort of Stafford College and done a little little B-Tech or whatever. And then I went to Salford and met some lovely people. Mm-hmm. And then it was, uh, what was it? it must be about 1998, 99, I did that Peter K thing, which is the first thing Peter did. Peter was a year above me at uni. So we were mates. And he sort of, that thing I was talking about, knowing every episode of everything, Peter also got that. So we, we got on well because of that. Yeah. And uh, I just remember turning up, it was in Blackpool, I think it was a night shoot. And night shoots are always nice, aren't they? Do you not find... I, lo- I love a night shoot. Do you? Because it makes night. it a little bit quieter. Do it, it is no one's shouting. No one's running around because you could trip over. There's a hot box. There's a little pie in there. I'm not good. Oh, I get to like 11 it. o'clock. Cold. Oh, really cold. Oh, right. cold. And I suddenly think I need to go to bed. I think this was more a dark night shoot. It was like... It's probably only about 8 o'clock. It wasn't like in the middle of the night. We were filming in the Terror Ballroom, which is now famous and strictly... Strictly. Yeah, I've filmed there myself. Back so. then it wasn't. There was just three old women dancing around. There was nothing happening. <laughs> No. But I just remember turning up and seeing, you know, uh, boom mics and cameras and dollies and people asking if you wanted a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Going, oh, this is nice, isn't yeah. it? See why people fall in love with AD. My wife's on AD. Somebody's asking if you want a cup of tea. Somebody all the time. Can I get you anything? Not maybe once since we've been married. <laughs> Not once. <laughs> but I just remember getting there and seeing it. And obviously, I think the episode, I think it was the bingo one, Eyes Down. So I think Peter had a, he had a, Tash on. It was proper dress up. He wasn't just Peter. He had a wig on yeah. and a beard. And then a week later, he was Leonard. He had a full beard. It was so. It was like the full thing. It was like this is like this is proper acting. He's not just whacked a beard on. That's a costume beard. It's brilliantly <laughs> made. I remember seeing Alex Lowe was there doing a little bit, and Sean, who's in car show with me, was also in his year at uni. Mm. So weirdly, I only thought the other day. I've known both of them for twenty five years, wow. which is longer than half my life, which is quite frightening. But she was there as well. I remember seeing they were already comfortable. I'm going, they're all really good. They're all, and you, you get that nerve thing. You go, they're all brilliant at mm-hmm. this. And they all seem to know what they're doing. Yeah. They've they just been be there one day longer than me. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know that at the time. They're, they're all doing what we're all doing. Faking it. Yeah. But it's that thing. My mate always says that when you turn up on set for the first day, everyone thinks you're an arsehole and it's your job to prove them otherwise. <laughs> so you do too. Do you want a cup of tea, Michael? No, I'm all right. I'm getting myself. Tell me when the tea's over. I'm perfectly capable of making tea. I can make tea. Thank you. I think it's very kind of you. Do you like my tea? Yeah. No, it's not. Don't do with that. Mm-hmm. You always get that lesson that I remember one time it was raining and the costume was standing there with a brolly over me. I said, I, I, I can hold that myself. And she went, it's not for you, it's for the costume. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Okay. That's me. Yeah. Put me in <laughs> Where I am. Okay. And if you show any interest in their job, yeah. I think it's a very important thing to do in film. Yeah. To not say, well, I don't know anything about cameras. Yeah. And then they go, great. Good. Good. You're going to be useful. Yeah. Mm. Don't know this works. Yeah. And I just throw in a little thing about a Preston ring or a... Toffee hammer. Get yeah. a toffee hammer, guys. Yeah. Uh, we, we're not crossing the line, are we? Are we crossing the line? We're crossing the line. <laughs> I know what I'm talking That's about. That's the question. See? Actually, a director, uh, no, a cameraman once said to me, if you ever worried about remembering your lines and you want an extra five minutes, just bring up the topic of crossing the line. I may have a big discussion. And they would all it. talk about it and say, no, no, that, that's not crossing. If we were here, we would be yeah. crossing the line. Yeah. If he'd come in there, <laughs> just the and then off he goes. Just check in your signs. Check your lines. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so that's why that's going in. Because the first thing I ever did, and... 
it was just, it was just, it felt like I was, I'm in a proper show. Yeah. And also the, the thing with that and Phoenix Nights is, you'll know this, but you end up in comedy, you end up being in a gang, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And there's all different gangs in comedy. And you can tiptoe into other gangs, but there are certain gangs. And that is my gang. Because it's the first thing I ever did. And it was mates from, it was, Pete was my mate from uni. I remember the first day I was there and Toby, who's the other half of the band in Phoenix Nights, yeah. his own last. He said, what are you going to do this week? And I said, I've got this gig in Sheffield. He went, I know it's mine. You're doing my gig. <laughs> and then we're all stand-ups and we're all ended up doing gigs together. And it was just that thing as well. We, we were in every day. So we saw it getting made from beginning to end. Pete used to send me drafts of the script. So I saw it getting finessed. Yes. And I even went in the edit once. So like, I saw a show getting made from beginning to end. And you feel an ownership of that thing as well. Well, so it ended up being quite a good one. It could have just ended up being on that shit. But it, but I saw the, the mechanics of it all working. And it was just a lovely, lovely group. When when I did that gig for Toby uh, in Sheffield, he brought me on by saying, uh, I was talking to a mate the other day, and uh, he said, I said, where are you from? I said, Sheffield. He said, fuck, Sheffield. Fucking blokes. Everybody's thick. Thick as fucking Sheffield. Everybody's thick. Women are all ugly. Just backward. Fucking backward tell. <laughs> I thought, how can you think like that? Well, ladies and gentlemen, you can ask him yourself. Here he is, Steve Edge. He brought me on to that. There we go. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> <laughs> Even Sheffield. <laughs> Did you suddenly go, I'm going to do a Northern accent and just go, hey, you're <laughs> <laughs> I think I used to say when I was a stand-up, I used to go, in case you're wondering, I haven't got a head cold or just had a stroke. I'm from the West Midlands. <laughs> <laughs> that used to be my opening line. Very good. I've done it for years. But gangs in comedy, I think, is is a thing, isn't it? Yeah, and also seeing things at the beginning of um, yeah. something, and the, the early days of something, and knowing that you were there watching it develop is a yeah. really fascinating and thrilling thing, isn't it? I went to London as a student to um, a house where Richard Curtis lived. I had to sign a contract. And while I was there, Richard Curtis was sharing the house with Rowan Atkinson, and he came downstairs and performed the classical pianist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that he did at the Olympics. Yeah. And he'd been working on it in his room. And so that was, I saw the very first performance. It's good to be there and start things like that, isn't it? And, he, and I watched it and thought, and I thought, God, that's amazing. He's such a brilliant comedian. And Richard Curtis, which is probably why he's fantastically successful, said, I think you should do that bit there and move that to there, and, and that goes on too yeah, long. Yeah, that's where it all goes. So he was, um, he analysed it perfectly, whereas I was just amazed. Talking about gangs in comedy, we, about five years ago, we did a Phoenix Nights for Comic Relief, and we all got back together after probably about 16 years, mm-hmm. and it was lovely. It was just really nice. We, we were all back together again, as we were. It was, it was a really nice thing to do, and just... I'd never, you know, when I did stand-up, I think the most I ever... I did like, we did a little tour when I, I stopped doing stand-up. Me, Paddy McGuinness, Janice Connolly and Archie Kelly did a little tour. Mm. And we did Blackbird Winter Gardens and it was 500 seat. I think that was the biggest we played. But the Manchester Arena where we did the Phoenix Nights Live was... Amazing. 15,000 or whatever it is. That was... It, it, bizarre. Peter Kay is, is an extraordinary man, isn't he? I mean, yeah. he just... He has an enormous following... He's also just sort of naturally funny as well. He's which very don't get any. I mean, he literally walks on and says, "Yeah, right," and everyone just laughs. When we, because Peter's a year above me, so when we started, um, our year started at Salford University. The second year, so Peter's year, put on a little sort of review show above a pub. It's the first week we were there, and everyone had written all you know a little ten minute. There was one with Chris Bisson and Sean, I think, and yes, yeah. 
two straight girls in the village or whatever it was. And it was all little sketches. And they were all, you know, just cobbled together. Somebody sang a song and somebody did this. It's just above a pub, really rough pub in Sutford. And Peter was the compare. And everybody had finished. You go, fuck you now, what's that? <laughs> and he's in the same year as them. I remember the director going, he said, this is, this is your year, don't you? And he goes, oh, no, but I'm fucking awful. He's <laughs> like, I'm comparing or ripping it apart. <laughs> it's a brilliant way to work. <laughs> Even then, you were like, oh, he's, he's got it. Above it. He's got it. <laughs> but also, it, that may be the clue to it, because actually, I think his comedy is just fantastically honest. Yeah, that's yeah. what he doesn't do a lot, does he, as well, that's the thing. So it's, I mean, even... Yeah, no, he doesn't. No. Phoenix Nice has never been repeated. No. Um, that's repeat for you. No, no, no. <laughs> that's it. And I'm, or I'm just going to do a comedy relief song and it's going to be yeah. the greatest and ever. Well, like, well, we did, yeah, when we did the loan one, it was that. It's just sold out straight away. But And that had the extraordinary thing of the fantastic Ted Robbins. Well, that was, that was the first night. Wow. So we'd never run the show completely through. And even after the first night, we hadn't because Ted collapsed. I think it was just before the interval. Me and Toby meant to go on straight after. He just sounded different. He went scouts and and, uh, Dan Perry wasn't scout. (laughs) I think he repeated a joke and then we just heard this crash and it was... It was awful. And then I remember the stage manager going, go on, like we're Les Dennis and Dusty G. Like, I'm not going on. We're not going on. It's not, and then, they, it was, we, you know, everyone knew straight away because we all had the mics on and you yeah. could hear that something was wrong. So everyone knew, the audience knew, and the audience went. And then there was this sort of weird sort of half an hour when we were waiting to know if it was going to be all right. And I think Lenny Henry was in the green room and I think he said something like, I was there on the night with Tommy Cooper died. I was like, Lenny, not no, the time. Not, not the time, Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, was, he was fine, so it worked out all right. Yeah. yeah. Was it, t- it was quite touch and go, wasn't it, with Ted? Yeah. I yeah, I think he died for about five minutes or something like that. There was a paramedic in the front row, luckily. Because there's an arena that size, there is an ambulance staff there, but they wouldn't have got to him as quick as this guy in the front. He knew straight away. Yeah. We, we all knew straight away. Yeah, thank goodness. I think there was, we had a joke, when, when he was getting better, he said, um, I spoke to the doctor, he said, the only things I can't do is I can't jog and I can't do any arc welding. <laughs> That's what Ted, <laughs> what Ted said. And then we found, there was, a, there was a little thing to find this mystery paramedic who saved his life. My mate's a paramedic and he was going, he won't want to be found, he's just Man. doing his job. Yeah. And then we did find him about halfway through the run and, Neil Fitzmaurice said we spoke to him uh, apparently they started your heart he had to crack all his ribs to start his heart he said apparently he started his heart after they'd only cracked two ribs but it's in your act so he thought he'd smash the other ones <laughs> <laughs> so it was all it was all good and I think Ted even did a video from the hospital and by the third or fourth night he was at, he was at the end still sort of waving and stuff Ted Robbins is the best warm up yeah. in the world I was trying to do warm up at Mastermind once no. I was doing a gig with Chester and I picked him up Mastermind and I went in and just a little curtain and I could see, he was asking the questions. Mm-hmm. And he was going, yeah, mm, question number three. And he just fluffed the line and the lights came on and Ted just walked up and, I used to be in a band. And then, and continue, 20 seconds left. Like, <laughs> in a mastermind they do this. Wow. Yeah. I, did, I did a Saturday night sort of quiz show thing with Simon Mayer hosted it and I did the voiceover. But the desk went down, the, the desk they were actually yeah. using to film the whole thing went down in the studio. They had to take it out of the booth and bring we'll a new one in oh, from God. another studio, which took about an hour and a half. Yeah. And they, they said to Ted, um, Ted, we're going to have to change Can you thing. fill for an can hour you, and a half? Can you just fill? And he said, how long? They said, an hour and a half. He went, 
fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but he did. I remember doing a pilot once for Hattrick at Granada Studios and they said, do you know any warm-up acts? And I said, Ted. And they went, Ted doesn't do, he doesn't do pilots. He's too big to do pilots. Mm-hmm. And this other guy did it. I won't name him because it's not fair. But he's, he's a mate of mine. And he's, he said, I'm going to do it. And uh, I saw him do it a little bit. I said, this is an odd gig, isn't it? And he went, no, 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 he's Jordy. <laughs> and he said, not really. I said, I know, but you've got a, you've got to have 20 minutes of material for doing this. You've got to cut a joke halfway in the middle mm-hmm. of a joke. And he went, no, it's fine. It's, it's, it's fine. He's fine. And I was in at the beginning and the end of this four-hour record. I think I went home and walked my dogs. Yeah. Too, I think. <laughs> and I came back and he was going really well. When I came back, I went out to check out who was getting on. And he had a book in his hand. He's going, question 47. Rob De Niro was nominated for an hour. I was doing a book quiz. <laughs> He's run out of stuff. Completely gone. <laughs> I did it once in my life. Just uh, warm up. Somebody said to me, do you want to do warm-up? I thought, yeah, I'll have a go. You never know. I had gone through my material before the show even started. And then, fortunately, there was an actress in this sitcom who was really terrible. So I got all my laughs from saying, <clears throat> yep, that could be made a dame, you know. And I'm, and I'm, <laughs> the MBE's on the way. And I'm just, 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 you know, just really more. just attacking this poor just, actress. I've got nothing. I've got, I've got nothing, but I'm going to use you. Yeah. And I'm getting big so laughs. Sorry. Big laughs from the audience. Yeah. And afterwards, her, her boyfriend came up and tried to... He was going to thump me. People had to pull him off me. Oh, God. Mm. The worst things that ever happened to when I was doing stand-up. Because I, I used to have a, you know, a good 20, 30-minute thing. And I remember getting an encore once, like a stand innovation. I was like, oh, God. I ain't got anything else. <laughs> I couldn't not do it, so I just went on and I, 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 I ain't got, I ain't got nothing else. <laughs> Tried to bust, bust it for a bit, probably did what you did, just had a go at somebody. <laughs> and the audience, because they loved you, they'd laugh a lot and to begin with, in. and then work out that actually, he's, no, he hasn't, he hasn't got anything else. He hasn't got anything else. He's not joking. Is he doing a thing? He's not doing a thing. I think he's just not got anything else. <laughs> so I think, yeah, learned a big lesson there. Don't be too good. So you get a stand innovation and an encore. All right, so I'm going to take your comedy gang, really. So I'm going to put that in your time capsule. The lads. The lads. In they go on your first day of filming in Blackpool. Yeah. Yeah, so that's going in. Uh, we've got tons of room in here, Steve. I should have brought the, the small version. Yeah. I don't know why I brought this big one. One of those, like, long tubes. That well, that would have worked. Plans in there. I could have got that in there, but, I, I, you know, I, I used the van. Oh, I'm a fool. You'd be fine. Oh, well, okay. Well, maybe I'll transfer it to a small one later. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got the number four. So number four, I'm going to go, it's my 40th birthday. Now, I was filming on my 40th birthday, so that's why I've chosen it, because I was doing a thing for Sky called Starlings, which you, you were in. Yeah. You were actually in, that's the second series. So we did two years of it, and my birthday was in the middle of both of the shoes. But the the second year was the second series culminates with a big wedding and fireworks and a fire pit and it's all lovely and everyone's all cosy. But that was my 40th birthday, that <laughs> night shoot. So I can look back at it. There's all fireworks going off. Eunice Stubbs gave me a cuddle. And I'm with, you know, I'm with these people who, it was a lovely job. because I mean, obviously I'm going to say that because I, me and Matt wrote it together mm-hmm. and it was our little baby. But we filmed it all in Matlock in Derbyshire and there was a, there was a hotel called Peak Edge Hotel and... All the actors, we all stayed in there, the directors. So Brilliant. we'd film all day, we'd come out there, we'd all have dinner together, we'd have one drink, maybe do some lines, and then go to bed. But we were in each other's pockets. It was, you know, a lot of jobs, you, 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 know, you people go home or whatever, but we were all there all the time. So we got, like actors do, you get really close mm. 
for a certain period of time, they never see each other again. This you can't remember this. You people me. are the best people ever. <laughs> I love you all. Yeah. What's, he's got, what's Dan got his name again? Where did, where did I work with him? But yeah, but you do. But obviously, my birthday was in the sort of two weeks from the end of the shoot of it. So we were all there, and it was lovely. And it, there was a moment when we did the first series, and that's called Danny Peacock, who yeah. you must know. And Danny, if you don't know, he's in everything. In the 80s, he's in Young Ones, he's in Quadrophenia, he's in... He's in the Porridge film. He's in the Porridge movie. He's the young lad who's just got in there. But Danny's all I speak for that day. Yes. And he's a sort of fireball. He's just all over the shop. Brilliant. Like, you never know what he's going to do. Yeah. And he's in the first series of Starlings. Because his dad is in... Um, his dad's Trevor Peacock. Trevor Peacock. Vigor Dibley. Vigor Dibley. No, 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 no. And yes. his brother, Harry Peacock, is one of my best mates as well. So Harry's in Toast of London and did yeah. star stories with me. He's married to Catherine Parkinson. They all sort of speak a little bit like this. <laughs> oh, that sort of kind of voice. And uh, that's great. <laughs> but Danny's sort of a bit more manic. And uh, when we did the first series, we met him, and I'd always been a fan of Danny. And he, he said to me and Matt in the bar, he went, you join it? And we're like, well, no, because we've you know we've written it, we don't want to fuck it up, we want it to be perfect, we'll mm-hmm. keep an eye on it. But it's like being a teacher, isn't it? Like, yeah. They're looking after your kids, and they're doing the best they can, but they're not actually their kids. Whereas this was our... We've got eyes on everybody, and we're, if we're not in it, we're at the monitors watching, going, that could be better, that could be faster, and... So we're like, not enjoying it. No, we're too busy. Yeah. You've got, you got to enjoy it. You've got to enjoy it. You've got to really enjoy it. And we're like, yeah, yeah, fine. And then we did the first series. When we did the second series, we really liked Danny. We made him te- Brendan Coyle's boss and he's in all the episodes and he's mm-hmm. there on my 40th birthday. And he came up to me and he went, enjoying it, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought he'd remembered something from two years ago. <laughs> and, I, and I was. I was like, yeah, yeah, sat yeah, there yeah. having a party. And then we, it was a night shoot, so we went back to the bar, I remember, just drinking with all of them. It was a Friday night, I think. And they're like, you've got to call it because it's your birthday. And it was like six of a second for breakfast. I'm like, I just want to go to bed. And they're like, you've got to call it then, call it. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'm going to call it. I think, oh, he's called it. <laughs> but it was a lovely memory. And it's just, you know, it rarely happens on jobs, doesn't it? When you, I mean, I'm done Benidorm quite a lot, I think. When you are away from everything, you can sort of relax. And there's so many different people to talk to. It's, it's, it's a lovely thing to do, I think. Yeah, it is lovely. The thing about Starlings is like, all came, I was doing a thing for BBC Four. It was a three-part sort of a hiking sitcom with Mark Heap, who's in Benidorm with us, mm-hmm. and Ruth Jones. And we were filming in Dorset, the Golden Camp. Just the unit base was there. And it's quite high up, and there was a low cloud. And it just came through the unit base, and you couldn't see in front of you. You couldn't. It just really weird low cloud. And we were like, look, all our phone signals got, <laughs> we just got lost in some sort of mist. And then it cleared. And as it cleared, my phone rang. And it was my mate ringing and going, oh, Starlings had just been... That's your phone. Oh, sorry. That's so sorry. It wasn't it? Brilliant time. And my uh, mate Raymond, he was like, Silence has just been commissioned. We've got, we've got a series of eight one hours. We've got a right. I was like, brilliant. Wow. Was, I, t- I turned to Ruth and I went, I've just got our show commissioned. She went, I've just got Stella commissioned. <laughs> it was the same day. We were on this job on top of a hill where this magical mist was this cloud. I know, this magical, it was this Stuart Murphy sky cloud <laughs> just came rumbling through there. And we both got our shows commissioned. It was a love, what a lovely day. And, and that is the job I met my wife on as well. So, so much there. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. So you're my 40th. It was a lovely, lovely day. So I did by friends who I've not spoken to since. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good it's a good age as well, 40, isn't it? Yeah. It's a good... You think to yourself, well, I feel as if I've been around a bit. Yeah. But actually, I still feel all right, feel good. Yeah. Feel fit, you know. I always thought that the thing that marked you out as 40 is... A lot of people we know have fancy dress parties, and I've always never really liked a fancy dress party. But I go along because, you know, you don't want to be in misery. But when you get to 40, they go, do you want a fancy dress party? I go, not coming. 
Number no, two, this anymore. No, 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 come in. Yeah, who are you coming against? Me. Yeah, come in as me. Yeah. If you want, I'll come as a zombie version of me and I'll just black my eyes a little bit. I've got one set of clothes that I wear for parties and yeah. it's clean, it. so I'm going to. I'm an actor. I dress up. That's what I do for a job. Why don't you have one when we're all working in an office like you do and I'll come as you? Yeah. I'll come as an office worker, yeah? <laughs> so angry, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a nice memory. Lovely memories. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. That's going in. 40th birthday party on set. In it goes. Right. Well, now we come to the moment. We go to the bad one, aren't we? We come to the bad one. But it's a good thing that you're coming to the bad one because it's something that you can now lock away. Yeah, I mean, I avoided the obvious ones and I went for, um, it was a camping trip. <laughs> in, I think it was Coven. Oh, I'm worried about this. Yeah, it was Coven. I think it was Coven, which is near Wolverhampton. It was, I was about, I was probably about 10. And I, I sort of, I was a bedwetter until probably about 11 or 12, I think. Mm. Uh, was, which is, I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff said about it, but it is, it's great having a wet. <laughs> I remember just sort of waking up, going, oh, it's all warm. Oh, I don't know, we just nip off to the airing cup, grab a towel, throw it on top, back to sleep. Lovely. <laughs> I mean, somebody else has got to clean that up. I mean, I didn't yeah, think... Uh, your wife, I yeah, imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is now, yeah, but in those days. <laughs> but So I remember, and we went, to, and I've always been a sort of commando sleeper. I don't, I don't wear pyjamas. I never wore pyjamas. So why would you wear pyjamas if you're going to wait? So you go hand in hand. But we went on a school camping trip, and... Uh, They'd laid the tents out in like an L shape. So all the girls were that way in their tents. All the boys were this way. And in the middle of the L, there was uh, probably the teachers. Mm. Just, you know, probably drinking where we were. (laughs) And I was in the middle of a tent with a lad called Darren Arbick Dawson. And I think it was Craig Stratford. And uh, I'd got pyjamas because my mum had gone, well, you're going away. You've got to wear pyjamas. I was like, I don't want pyjamas. Pyjamas. So I'm there. We're all going to sleep. I don't know what time it is. I suddenly feel... I, I go to sleep. I wake up, suddenly feel I'm, I'm, I'm weighing myself. So I was like, right, well, I'm in the middle of this now. So I got up <laughs> and I went out the tent. It was dark. And I was tripping over like guy ropes all over the shop. Did a wee. Finished it off. And I was like, right, get back in. I don't know where I am. <laughs> it's a bit confusing. So I found the tent. So I think it's my third one in. Got in the tent. Got myself in the middle. There was a space in the middle. Took me wet bottoms off, wet top. Just tossed them behind me. Like, you know, as you do. Just, yeah, past everyone's head. Just throw them out of there. Just closed my eyes. And I heard, Vicky. <laughs> now, <laughs> the, the thing about this is, what's the weirdest thing about this is, Vicky Barber, not only has she gone to the toilet at the same time as me, but she left the mid, she wasn't on the left side, she was in the middle, because I wouldn't have been able to get back in. <laughs> Bang on! And the, all the tents I could have mistakenly gone in, the one with the person missing the middle, and I just terrified. I'm in, I'm in the middle of two girls. I can't remember the name. One was called Rachel or something. And I'm just... <laughs> Vicky Barber weirdly lived on my road, so maybe we shared a, like, bladder cycle. I just heard Vicky, and I just went, I'm in the wrong tent. <laughs> I'm in the side. So ran. I didn't want I didn't make a noise because they'd know who I was they go I just couldn't make a noise so I just ran found my bearings got back in the tent jumped back in the middle got back in the middle look Darren's there Craig's there I'm back in my tent I'm in my sleeping bag fine I've got away with this next morning I think it was the girl who was called Rachel 
like a carrier bag, like really a couple of knots tied in, mm. quite weighty, heavy carrier bag. He's got weighty. Are these yours? Oh, no. And I just remember, I remember dying inside and going, yeah, no, mind. Yeah. And it was, there was two, two schools in Canada. There was Chenette, which I went to, and there was Sherbrooke. They were sort of next to each other. And this was like two weeks before we went to big school. And they were all going to Sherbrooke and I was going to Chenette. So I thought, I've only got to, I've only got to survive for two weeks and I've got away with this. And I did. And then when I was in the third year, Schools merged. Became, and then the story became came Canada Place. Place. No, they never mentioned Did it. Did they never? No. So I hadn't seen it for three years and they just they never mentioned it. And I was I, it didn't mean anything, so they'd forgotten it, but it was imprinted on my yeah, heart. Of course. They never mentioned if, it. If they'd known, imagine the power. I know. Thank God for those girls. The power when they just come in and say, oh, man, get a new chance. is a Vicky Barber. But, well, uh, go into the toilet. I mean, uh, thank God Vicky Barber <laughs> didn't go into the other tent. No, no I did just, if she, no, but if Vicky Barber hadn't gone to the toilet, I'd just lay on her. <laughs> <laughs> she was bursting If she got into your sleeping bag, it would have yeah. been wet. I mean, yeah, oh, oh, no, of course. Vicky Barber. Poor Vicky. I and mean, all this is kind of her fault. <laughs> So that's the one I'm going to lock away. But I did get away with it, I think. Yeah, just. No, you didn't at all. They all knew, but only for never two weeks. They never mentioned it. Yeah, yeah but they never, when we met again three years later, they never mentioned it. To you? Yeah. No, what it would have got, it's the sort of thing it would have got. I don't know. But maybe, yeah. Maybe everybody just held it back. Yeah. But that's such a heavy bag. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was about ten knots in it. They were like, oh, do one more, do one more. <laughs> Double bag it, put it in another bag. <laughs> They used to make you drink cocoa, didn't they, before you went to bed. It's their fault. Just piss. We're not, it's not even piss, girls. The pyjamas are brand new. <laughs> They're quality. Yeah. Ever is. No, I mean, flannel soaked most of it up. What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, Steve, that's a brilliant story. Oh, I feel for you. I no wonder that by 14 you were sitting on a library in your own. Yeah. Uh, just, well, I was just trying to escape just to get just, up into this to Get my head in there reading that. chrome yellow by Aldous Huxley. Hmm, what's this book about? <laughs> I don't know. No, it's got just, yellow in the title. Oh, I just don't know what yellow is. <laughs> just don't show my face. Yeah. <laughs> that guy, he's just, I think he's a constant on a beatnik. <laughs> Maybe they pissed themselves more. Uh, brilliant. Oh, Steve, it's been fantastic talking to you. And, I, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seal up the time catcher yeah is, the ba- is it you put a full bag in there yeah it's triple bag yeah it's alright I might even put a sound effect here no, yeah. here it goes or I might not yeah we'll see it's a sci-fi carrier bag I think it does <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore it's like Doctor Who this oh, okay, it's amazing <laughs> bless you thank you for doing this and uh, I've really enjoyed having a chat with you must be nice to be here You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Steve Edge. You can subscribe to this podcast on Acast, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, or any podcast app, really, to hear all other episodes and to receive each new episode on the day of release. And if you have the time, we'd love it if you would rate us and leave a review. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at MyTCPod or at Fenton Stevens. This podcast was produced by John Fenton Stevens and the music is by Pass the Peas Music. It was a cast-off production. Thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed it, there are plenty of other episodes available for your listening pleasure, as they say. As for me, I'm going to go and see if I can find anything by the capsules on Spotify. Yeah, I doubt it. Keep safe.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 